Hello, friends, and welcome to the most glorious of events, the Movie Mavericks Podcast. This outstanding program is hosted by two fine gentlemen, Jason and Trevor. Now make it so. MovieMavericks.com Hey, now everybody, welcome to episode 363 of the Movie Mavericks Podcast. I'm Trevor Anderson, since you have Jason Rugard, he's got a rundown for us. We got a lot of movies to get through tonight. We're going to be talking about Motherless Brooklyn, American Pickle, Invisible Man, and Fantasy Island amongst many, many titles. We haven't <laughs> really had a chance to talk movies. We did a podcast recently where we were talking about TV shows based on movies, but we didn't really talk about movies, so we're going to do a deep dive tonight into all this shit we've been watching because uh, you've been watching a lot of new stuff, and I've been watching a lot of old stuff, so... Together, we're going to tell each other about what we've been watching and come together uh, and see if we can convince each other to maybe watch something from the other's pile. To start off with, tell me about Motherless Brooklyn. This is Edward Norton's film he directed, he starred in. I mean, he really mm-hmm. produced a lot of it. I, I think he's like one of the producers. And yes. What's, uh, it's a novel that he really, I guess, wanted to bring to the screen for a while. I guess he had the rights since Sorry, about so. 1997 or, or shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. I mean, the book, I think, was published early 2000s, maybe late Mm -hmm. 90s, and I know this is a dream project for him. I saw the trailer, I was intrigued, I was put off by the running time, and to be honest with you, when I heard that the lead character was, uh, is he obsessive compulsive, or he has some sort of tick, right? Or is it a Tourette's? Yeah, he's got Tourette's, yeah. Okay, so I think that in the trailer it looked like it was a, a modulated performance but i that's such an easy way for uh, to get very showy as an actor so did it veer off into kind of melodramatic acting or is it a good flick what's going on with this movie no the acting is really good um from everyone in the movie uh it's bruce willis i was gonna um, say including bruce you know, willis edward, edward norton's really great yeah i'm baldwin's good william defoe is good uh ethan Supley's in this for a second he's good what um, there's not a, an issue with anyone in this. What Baldwin uh, oh, is in this Alec. movie? Oh, I was hoping it was Stephen. Alec, no. Well, you never know. You get Bruce Willis, you might have a Stephen Baldwin lurking around somewhere nowadays. Yeah, but you got Edward Norton. I, I don't, you know. You ain't putting up with Stephen Baldwin shits. What you're saying? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> um, but it's no. This is a, a really good detective. Um, uh, just a detective story, I guess, is what, is what you would call it. It's a it's a noir type, set in the time frame of those old types of movies. You know, back in the uh, whatever this what is this like fifties. Yeah, this movie takes place in the fifties, so it's very of... uh, <clears throat> yeah. Um, and it works. It works really well. It's no Chinatown. You know, it's not like something that when you watch, you're like, "Ooh, wow, this is a this is a classic that people will remember forever." No, but it's really good. Um, and, and like I say, Edward Norton's really good. The ticks that his character does is are uh, they I, they aren't important, I, I guess, to the screen or to what's happening. You know, but the way that he handles them, the way they kind of introduce his character as this quirky type of guy. Um, he kind of has to, he's forced to explain himself to people, which is really hard for if you're a private eye, you're going in to talk to people, you want to be undercover and shit, and you're out there like, eh, eh, you know, right. fuck, screw, eh, eh, you know, like doing weird stuff. It draws attention to you when you, you're trying to be undercover. Yeah, he's not incognito uh, at so, all. That's so that a very works. interesting no, not angle. At all. But, he, yeah. but he's able to fast talk and fast talk his way out of it and is, in fact, a kind of more undercover because of it. You know, it's almost disarming in a way. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. 
Um, as a production, does it does it hold up? I and mean, this failed miserably at the box office. Yeah, it looks looks beautiful. It's a beautiful looking movie. Yeah. It looks the time period. It, it, uh, it's well directed, well crafted. Like I say, well acted. It is a bit long. I was going to say, and is it, it too does long? meander. Mm. But uh, Chinatown, right. Chinatown meanders. But very little. Uh, there's not that so, much fat on Chinatown. There is a little bit, but I would say, is this? Closer, there's a lot of fat on Chinatown. Is and, this and closer the, the, to the, the two Jakes? Did you ever see the sequel? I, uh, it's I, mean, on, I guess it. it well, it's on HBO Max. It's not. Currently. It's not either one. I mean, it kind of actually is the same type deal as Chinatown. You know, with Alec Baldwin's character trying to uh, uh, take over the town, so to speak, you know, running a, a racket. Um, kind of like in Chinatown, where it had to do with the, the water and stuff. Which was based historically accurate, as well as Motherless Brooklyn. That's based on a real person that was yeah. trying to do that. So that's kind of cool. It has a historical angle as well. And this was put together on a fairly low budget by Norton, A Labor of Love. Like I said, it tanked at the box office, but... You're giving it a positive review. I've heard many people say that they enjoyed it. I have heard that it it is a bit long, but this is currently playing on HBO Max, as is uh, The Two Jakes. I don't think Chinatown's on there currently, but this seems to me like one of those movies that you would come to on cable, that you can catch on TV, and you probably didn't miss anything by not seeing it on the big screen. Does this movie have the potential to be a beloved kind of cult classic, a movie that's going to be discovered, do you think? It could be, but yeah, I think one of these there are a lot movies. of movies out there right now, so I don't know it's how discoverable anything is at this point. But and like I say, this isn't uh, Chinatown, you know. It just it doesn't have that, you know. My father, my my daughter, whatever. Right, you know, my but, mother, my father, my dad. Right. Um, yeah, there's no real moment in this where you're like, oh wow, what a great twist, right? It it all feels very. Uh, I don't, and not that you can figure it out because you really can't. I mean, maybe you could. I couldn't, but that's because it doesn't really give you enough information. Mm. You know you know as much as he does, so to speak, throughout the whole movie. Fair enough. Uh, which is fine. I mean, it plays out. Yeah, that's fine. So, you, so you, you're just along for the ride, so to speak. I mean, I will say that the movie's better than The Irishman um, in a lot of regards. So I would, I would rather watch this than that, which I never made it through The Irishman. You're talking about a long movie. I would bet you that of all the people that have said they've seen The Irishman, that in actuality, about 42% have actually made it all the way through that fucking running time. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, well, I bet and, you more people have stopped and, and never restarted it because they just said fuck it at one point or another. And that's not a knock on The Irishman. That's just over length. And, mm-hmm. and maybe that should have been cut up into a miniseries. I I think about that too. If, if these movies, these really long movies, like Motherless Brooklyn, would that have benefited mm-hmm. from being a series? Because right now HBO is running Perry Mason, and you said you're not a oh, fan maybe. of that to me off air, right? You're not feeling Perry Mason? Yeah, I, I really didn't like Perry Mason very much. So um, th- that I thought was actually, it was really boring. Um, but Mother Motherless Brooklyn opens up, uh, it, it opens up big, right? It opens up right in the middle of some shit going down. And immediately you you find the what Edward Norton's character is able to bring to the table as far as what he does. The detective agency, uh, it's an action sequence. Shit's going on. You know, Bruce Willis is, is being Bruce Willis, you know. Um, so the movie starts off and it, it kind of hooks you right away. Sounds good. So I don't know. I, I would say watch it. At least watch the opening scene, uh, the opening sequence. 
and decide from there if you think it's something you want to watch. I, I bet you most people will stick with it. If you do, like everything, it, you know, it sags a little in the middle. So you just kind of stick with it. But it is good. I heard Rob Lowe on Rogan recently just talking about scripts and talking about uh, page 73 of a script. And he says that is the Sahara of creativity because <laughs> everybody is just trying to figure out how they can get to home and wrap this fucker up. And uh, it, yeah. it, it, it makes a lot of sense of, of why, you know, the middles of movies seem to go on for a long time right now in film. And uh, anyways, I, that was kind of what put me off of Motherless Brooklyn as well as the running time. But if it's a good movie, I don't mind being engulfed in it. I, I really don't. And people... That bitch about long movies. Shut the fuck up. You'll watch mm-hmm. seven seasons of Game of Thrones and four seasons of some random shit <laughs> on Netflix that nobody else well, is as watching. Long, as long as the length adds something to it and you want to exist in that world for that amount of time, uh, then you're okay. Uh, this movie isn't long because, you know, someone got a stick up their ass and decided they really needed to make a long movie. You know, it doesn't, this movie doesn't feel like some artistic endeavor as much as it feels like someone just making a movie and telling a story. And I think that's why I liked it so much because while it's, it's a little unnerving to hear people like Edward Norton here gushing about this and, Oh, it's a movie I always wanted to make and stuff. It makes you think, Oh fuck, you know, <laughs> cause it might, it's going to be too much. Right. And it's not going to be very good. And this is the movie I always wanted to make, but he doesn't approach it in that way, I guess as With like this some reverence to it. Yeah, with some like artistic, like oh, I'm an artist and right. this is my piece, you know, my defining piece. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. None of that's in this. It's just uh, people act, acting their hearts out without, uh, I guess, be, being show offs. I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna check this out. It's, for a, it's sure. a decent flick. I would. My say last watch question it. regarding this movie is: Did is Edward Norton a good enough director to coax? an actual performance from Bruce Willis or is he sleepwalking through this movie like he's been doing for the last 10 years? Well, Bruce Willis plays Bruce Willis in this, but it yeah, is right. the most entertaining. It's, it's real Bruce Willis. Yeah. Good. Good. It's not, it's not like, Hey, I'm here for the paycheck, you know, <laughs> Bruce Willis. Woo. And he's gone. No, like he shows up, he does a whole thing. He does a whole stick. You know, he, he really, cause he's the head of this detective agency and he's kind of like the father figure to all these guys that work there. And he fills those shoes perfectly, you know, and he's trying to pull some shit. He's a shady kind of guy, too. I was just on a flight uh, getting back from Denver and I downloaded some random movies to the iPad and I'm watching and I watched Red, the first Red on the flight. And I forgot, uh-huh. like, that's the, the kind of last time I was thinking, that's the last time Bruce Willis seemed like he actually gave a shit. And there's even moments in that when you can kind of see... He's tuned out. And this is before the last decade. This was what's red. Part one is probably 2010. So the last decade, he has gone almost full Steven Seagal where you can't even get him standing up a lot of the time. And that which leads us to our <laughs> next movie I want to talk to you about, Beyond the Law, starring Steven Seagal, which is currently on Showtime and a few other uh, streaming services. Where he stands less than half the time. <laughs> I mean, this is not a sequel to Above the Law, even though it's cleverly titled, and it's not a sequel to Exit Wounds, even though DMX co-stars with him. What it is I, is the fucking 127th directed DVD switch. movie by Steven Seagal where they use his name, and he is not even... 
the most entertaining thing about a Steven Seagal movie nowadays is what accent and what culture he's going to appropriate during the film. And sometimes well, it fluctuates always, within the scene. It's like a Cajun and then yes. a Jamaican. And then he's like Cajun, a Tennessee Jamaican, bad boy. Um, uh, yeah, Southern, um, sometimes Mexican. Yeah, at like, times he enough. says he'll throw Holmes in there. It's really weird. Yeah, it, it's fucking bizarre yeah. is what it is. I thought it was the sativa I was smoking. In the end, it's just fuck. I thought like, is Seagal gone for Marlon Bray? I mean, no shit. By the way, I, yeah. took a, I, took, I ate a fucking edible. I'm not gonna lie, and I'm watching this piece of shit Steven Seagal movie. And I'm watching it. I'm thinking, is this like Apocalypse Now when Brando's like in half shadows and he's like, I'm done for the day, and he walks off? Like, has Steven Seagal gone full fucking Marlon Brando here? I mean, it's very similar. It would be surprising the the way he's let himself go in the whole nine. I because conversely, I watched Above the Law not long after, and it's Mm -hmm. startling how like engaging he was and charismatic. And you know, those those original run of Seagal movies uh, overstated how good they are, but this he's so far removed from doing anything of note in these movies, and including this movie, which is Johnny Messner's movie, is it not? I mean, Seagal's not even I mean, a oh, real character. For sure, that, this is his movie. DMX is barely in it. He's only he. Uh, his role is just uh, horrible. The only um, thing interesting was when been anybody. DMX told the guy to watch Gremlins, which is an odd bit of dialogue. I don't even think it was interesting. I didn't even understand it. Yeah, <laughs> don't get it wet. Like what? Yeah. The fuck. I mean, and I got that reference right away. I was like, oh no way. And then he says, "Yes, explain it." It's like, why do you feel the need to explain the reference? That doesn't make it a reference. Well, the the that bad makes it guy, not a reference. The, the bad guy in this movie uh, is the was a child actor who plays the bully in a Christmas story. Did you recognize the mm-hmm. kid? So he's he actually puts in a perform. He's the only one I thought You're was about trying. S- uh, Steven Seagal's son. Yes. In the movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought he was the only one that actually was trying. And I thought in this movie that the directing and the camera work was at times pretty damn good. I, I, liked, some, I liked some edits they made here, some transitions, um, some some movements. I thought like, okay, this, there actually is some thinking behind this as opposed to some other really, really cut and paste Steven Seagal movies I've seen recently, like The Perfect Weapon and, I mean, Code of Honor or any mixture of those titles and you can come up with your own <laughs> meme generator of a Steven Seagal title. I movie. just thought it was, it was funny that, uh, it, in this movie, Seagal shows up, he's on the phone half the time. Right. Uh, cause, cause obviously he's not go. It's the same old shit, you know, obviously he's not going to be on set at the same time. Film all, film all his shit in one day. Right. He's driving around in a car, not driving, being driven. He's sitting down drinking. He's doing all this shit. A beautiful and women then, throw themselves at him. Yes, but then in the end, they have a fight scene, and the ending is so confusing because it's like, wait a minute, whose movie is this? Because we can't, because this is Johnny Messner's movie, but also this is Steven Seagal, so we can't upset him, and he is a bad guy, but he must look good. Right. So even even if he dies, he still has to be Steven Seagal. <laughs> we, can't, we can't put him down. He can't actually be the bad guy. It's and, unbelievable. And maybe, it may, maybe it might be his movie in the end. Like, the thing is, the they, tease you, they the tease you. The achievement level yes, of Seagal yes. is insane. Which I, I'm glad you got this because once again, I thought it was the edible that I ate. But 
I'm glad you saw this too because what one I, this is how the Marlon Brando kind of thing thought about Apocalypse yes. Now, like how he was calling the shots, and then it dictated a lot of the tone of the movie. And I'm thinking Seagal, like you said, is probably on set for at max. I mean, we talked to a director who had worked a couple with him, days, and he said Two, three days. I'd do you say recall for this movie. that he said Seagal would work three to four hours a day, and that was it? Do you recall yeah. when uh, Fauntleroy said that? So. He told us this, and he so you get Seagal for three to four hours a day. He wants all his shit done. He's not reading lines for anybody else. All his shit is done with just him in frame, maybe a bodyguard behind him, a driver. Lines, so. so if you get him for one day, let's his say maybe two, bullshit. possibly three fucking days, that's 12 hours of actual work you get out of this asshole, and then you're going to cut the movie to appease him? Why? So you could sell it? Does Seagal's oh, name... It was written to appease him have any I mean, that's, fucking value doesn't that piss you off about this movie though because i've seen too many of these students movies that do this and and all of a sudden here's and this started like what like 13 12 13 14 years ago uh you, I, um, I would say we're getting back to almost 20 right after half past dead no because it, there were several direct video stuff throughout the the mid 2000s that were still uh, passable they were still doable uh, pistol but it wasn't was it one it of wasn't until he did the fucking vampire movie. What was that thing called? Oh, After Dark or, or something like that. After, after the, dark. the Dark. That was the one that was the definitive for me. That's the definitive like line of where we don't give a shit anymore. Uh, uh, I think that came out like 2007 or something. But okay, regardless. But I'm saying right before that, he had mm-hmm. one that I still kind of found fun called uh, Flight of Fury, which is actually available on yeah, Prime right now. All, but there were there were a couple of those just like that within that yeah. time period. I think that came out in like 2005. Like the mid-2000 well, era there and the early 2000s were okay. They were, they okay. were fun. Because that was the time. Uh, but that was the same time we had, uh, you know, Cuba Gooding Jr. was doing it. Wesley Snipes was doing it. Yep, yep. Um, and so there was competition still within there and and they were still making action movies they were still moving around he was still doing things even though he was getting fatter and fatter by by the movie yeah you know? but you know i don't fucking take that as an excuse stallone's 74 fucking years old and he's out there moving around and and that's seagull's issue i mean he could have lost or done something i mean if you want to be an action star you got to look like an action star even an aging action star and there's i'm not going to shame him for how he looks but at the same time you know, you're still. Well, you should he, because it co- it it directly affects how the movie's shot and what he does. When the fuck did he adopt the goatee? And what is he trying to hide? <laughs> the jowls? Is that what he's trying to hide there? Like I don't understand. The gut, um, everything, all of it. Like we're still gonna. That's do why the he wears big hair. black coats and like black everything. And the sad thing is, and, I'm uh, talking this shit. And hmm. I love this fucking asshole. I've watched all these movies. I of course, I've watched these every single time, hoping that. Something will change, you know? I know. And I even still I even still enjoy it when he's on screen. I'm making fun of him and talking all this shit. But the ending scene of this movie, the, I was watching the whole time. I was like, ooh, what's he going to do? What's, how's this going <laughs> to I, I love like, the way he moves around and slaps people and shit. I'm still mesmerized by it. And it's total bullshit. Yeah, but I still think, I, for whatever reason, like he still is able, and maybe it's just confidence. The guy has a lot of confidence. He's got big dick energy, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. There is something still uh, to say about watching. I just wish that he would make, I wish that beyond the law, there he is in the front of the cover of it. Make it about him. Well, he's, <laughs> he should be beyond the law. The thing about this is that he's on in jeans on some of these posters. And it's like, I he know, hasn't seen a pair of jeans never, in a long there's time. There's no way he's wearing <laughs> jeans. He's yeah. wearing fucking kimonos and, and sweatpants mm-hmm. and shit. Oh yeah, I mean, just juicy along, written on the back. Yeah, yeah. I just want (laughs) to. I bet he smells waxy. 
You know what I mean? Like a crayon. I don't know why. I feel like he smells like a crayon when you get close to him. Anyways, let's move on. It's the hair. Let's talk about it's Tread, the hair. Which is this amazing documentary that's on Netflix that I don't think is getting enough press. And I had no idea about this either. You texted me and said, watch this. I watched this over the weekend and and found this a, a very interesting documentary. It's about the, the Killdozer rampage in Colorado in 2004. But the way that this is done is based on tapes that were found. This guy's confessional audio tapes. Mm-hmm. And because of that, and, and the way that that's used in the documentary, you have this unreliable narrator of sorts. You know, the, the documentary is 90 minutes long, but the first 30 minutes is kind of this guy's side of the story. The second 30 minutes is maybe this counterbalance to the story that, that you've been fed. And then the last 30 minutes is the, the destruction outcome and, you know, the conclusion of it all. So I thought it was kind of brilliantly put together and left me questioning a lot. Did you find yourself watching this and questioning how it all went down and if possibly the stories were somewhere in the middle well, or did you I go think, one way or the other? Um, well, was, I would side with the town probably and with the guys who did had the concrete plant in the end. But that's the interesting thing about this movie is that when it starts, there is no reason not to believe this guy. Absolutely. And he does not sound crazy. No. But then when you meet the other people... You start thinking, oh, he's crazy. And he is. And as it goes along and the tapes go along, he he's really starts to sound crazy. He's devolving in into I think madness. he's off his rocker. Yeah. And so some of this stuff probably did happen, but I don't think it happened in, in, in the way that he says it does with this huge amount of animosity towards him and people out to get him and trying to fuck him and stuff. No, I believe he got screwed 100%. Um, but uh, the way everyone talks about it, they they're open about it. They're not clear. They're not trying to hide anything. They're like, yeah, we didn't like the guy. Uh, we offered him this amount of money. He said, no, you know, this happened. And he's saying, oh, well, they should. They didn't offer me this. They didn't do that for me. Right. It's like, <laughs> you know, and it is what it is. I mean, the whole thing about him trying to uh, dig the uh the, the sewage down, right? They had to dig down, but he couldn't do it because he had to go across someone else's property. And when they bought his property, finally, they were able to do that immediately. You're like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Like the guy was having a hard time, clearly, but well, I don't think that was on the town. I think it was more on him. He just couldn't deal with anyone, it sounded like. It sounds sounded also, crazy. I mean, if you, if you watch this documentary, we're, we're kind of, we're going to get ahead of ourselves and talking about specifics, but if you watch the documentary, there are two sides to the story. You got to kind of pick what side that you mm-hmm. believe in a lot of ways. Although I think that there is some gray area in things because um, I think area, the most yeah. telling comment about the person was when his good <laughs> is it friend he built said, a killdozer? well, uh, his friend said that he just was a lonely man that spent way too much time alone and he yeah. devolved. He had no family or anything. And then he somehow decided that he was like a messenger of God and that if he was mm-hmm. to be stopped and not meant to do this, then somebody would find out. And I thought that was kind of this weird, fascinating thing. And like you said, as the tapes go on, you hear more and more of the the cracking in, in the, but there's also very compelling things that he says. And then I'll counterbalance that when the reporter mm-hmm. says, I went to his muffler shop to get work done on my car and he was gone four out of five days a week the shop was closed because he wanted to be off snowmobiling. He was fucking around, yeah. You know, so like I get it, but Mm -hmm. I also know that like I think that there's some sort of small town politics that do play. It is a good old boys club in some ways and he probably was a bit of an asshole and these other guys were a bit of an asshole in their competition with each other in a lot of ways within this town and, but I mean, just, 
a story that I almost forgot about. When you said the killdozer, I, mean, I went, I "Oh yeah, I, I vaguely recall that." And then you, one of these, one of these people built a killdozer and ran through town and didn't care. And, and not only killed us, but had a fifty caliber r- r- rifle, That's the most shooting amazing thing. stuff out of the back of it. So this isn't I mean, clearly someone was crazy, and, yes. and so in the end, he just is crazy. The thing that I found the most interesting is that they said that there, yep. up to this this point, he was sitting there watching these movies over and over and over again, and the movie that specifically stood out for him was a man apart the vin diesel movie <laughs> and it was it was like it was inspiring to him because vin diesel stood up really after they killed his girlfriend and shit he stood up and he went out and he, he, and he you know in some in some way you know took life by the by the ball so to speak and like you know righted the wrongs against him and that was what pumped him up <laughs> let me tell you something i love about it. that there was there's a couple things i want to talk about with that the, i loved the fact that he fucking got so juiced off a of man apart because it's a damn good movie right? that he was gonna run i could just, I I could just watch the trailer over and over again oh, and that'd do it for me <laughs> do you recall when we were in uh, film school and we were in like dolby's theater we did like some sort of uh dolby sound system thing they had the da vinci board they were right. color correcting mm-hmm. the blu-ray for a casino and they played the trailer for that movie and that fucking puddle of mud song came mm-hmm. on, and all the action. And yeah. We were like, "Oh my!" It was like perfectly balanced sound, and it just—it was overwhelming. I still think that was better than anything within that movie. But I loved it. I thought at first this is a stretch to kind of blame a man apart because they said he had a collection of videotapes, but they singled out this movie. And I always wanted to know, like, what else did he have in there? Like, it was what, a stretch. What, I know. What else was he watching? Yeah, was he watching Shrek? I mean, what? Yeah. Like, what was? What else know, did he right? have in there? Like, like the Muppet any, movie and shit. You're like, what is this? Cheery, but they're like, oh, they got a Vin Diesel movie. <laughs> And so I thought it was a bit of a stretch until the end when he does shave his head when he goes on his rampage. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, is this like his Vin Diesel moment? Like, what the fuck is he doing here? Yeah, like he, he full on terrible committed situation. to this. I oh, know. he really did. I, I mean, what you're waiting for when you watch this movie is the end of it. And I would, I'll even say the recreations Excellent. are interesting to watch. Yeah. Excellent. Well so done. The they they do thing. show actual footage as well, um, more towards the end. But. Yeah, the whole thing, just like the minute the minute he's done building, you're just waiting for it. And then and the fucking outside shot of that garage, yep. when that thing comes tearing through, you're just like, hell. yes! Yes. <laughs> and you get this weird exhilaration, but at the same time, you're like, oh my goodness, like this is really... It's a little scary. Yeah, you're like, holy 50, shit, like, if, I, if that was happening cow. there, I'd be like, oh my God. It, it, they the couldn't tech- stop this thing. They could not stop it. The camera system he had rigged up for 2004. I mean, he, he was very. I don't get a lot of that though, because the minute they said that, wouldn't you think? Well, why don't you guys? Shoot no one cameras. has like some paint or yeah, you got a paintball gun or something like you can splash something on him and blind it. I don't. Why didn't you do that? I don't know. But if this had uh, gone on today, there would be a million different angles because people would be out there with their phones running about. But this is a mm-hmm. I mean, nothing to make light of. People were injured in this and and, and whatnot, but. Uh, it's a sad story, but it's a very compelling documentary. It's called Tread. Once again, it's well, on I mean, Netflix he, currently. He takes his own life, so that's not. Yeah, which I don't remember. So I thought that was like, you know, I was like, well, this uh, is going to work out that. for anybody. Yeah. I remember that they found the tapes, too. I don't really see. I didn't recall any so, of that. I really don't. I really didn't recall yeah. it. It's an interesting documentary, and I think made more interesting by the fact, as you mentioned, that the tapes exist. So you get to hear his side of the story directly from him, which makes it really compelling. Mm-hmm. And unreliable, like I said, an unreliable narrator, which is always compelling. Yeah. Let's talk about American Pickle, the movie that was slated for a summer big screen release and then sold quickly to HBO Max. And then Seth Rogen, the star of HBO, or American Pickle, 
kind of started bad mouthing Sony in a few ways. Did you read this? And he was saying that no, um, that they didn't have faith in Pineapple Express two, and that's why they never got it done because of uh-huh. budgetary concerns. And nah, kind of, I on. thought it kind of was kicking Sony. I feel like he got it was, I don't want to say, uh, you know, a little bit upset, but it sounded like there was some sort of. Uh, an issue with him and Sony executives at the moment. And maybe that's because he's aging out of a certain comedy and American pickle looks like a, <laughs> a step in a more mature way. If you will, I mean, we're getting away from in, like in teen or 20 somethings or even 30 something comedies. Yeah, anymore. Well, I mean like even, I mean, look at where Bill Murray went with his career. I could see Seth Rogen going that way or Ben Stiller. I mean, that's all these, I don't know. these comedians kind of go, um, you know, the sad clown. Well, there's routine. a lot of them aged out over, over uh, this past decade. Mm-hmm. All these guys, actually, a lot of them are no more. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I would agree. And, and Or move to dramatic work like uh, Jonah Hill, you know, even. What about yeah. American Pickle, though? Is this movie worth... Oh, first of all, would it have been worth to see on so a big the, screen, or is this absolutely suitable for HBO Max? No, you got to watch this at home, because this yeah. is a wild ride that uh, is aimless. <laughs> That's the word I would say for it. So it might drive you crazy if you had to sit in a theater... Because uh, after a while, you'd be wondering, well, okay, well, where the hell is this going? Um, but in any case, this is it, it, Seth Rogen plays this, uh, you know, pickle factory worker. He accidentally gets preserved, falls in the pickle brine, and, and for a hundred years, and, and they, he wakes up in modern day Brooklyn. And that's the whole idea. That's the whole story. And he, he finds his the, his one ancestor, which happens to be him. Right. So it's Seth Rogen Kurt and Riff. Seth Rogen is the movie. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and this guy just acts like people from the olden days. Right? Says shit that he, that he shouldn't say. Um, so it's kind of a counterculture um, type thing if counterculture like wasn't actual real culture at this point. Yeah, it's weird. Like It definitely comes at a weird time. Um, but it does poke a little bit of fun at woke people and at um, that kind of mentality of like uh, millennials and things. Like he... he he at one point decides he's going to start making pickles again and he just gets pickled cucumbers out of the trash and like old bottles and shit and just as it lets it rain into them to fill them up and, and he has salt from the trash too and he pours them in and he makes some pickles and everyone's like oh wow like they're like green he uses like rainwater and, and all this stuff <laughs> and, and so you know it kind of like makes fun of people like that like people get really hyped up about it until they find out they're just trash and then they're like oh god you know then they turn on them like crazy and so you get the cancel culture stuff happens um and that's basically it. But but it is kind of that whole thing where the 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 younger Seth Rogen is uh, making an app that he's trying to sell, and um, this uh, the other guy is used to working hard, right? So it's a little bit of that type of thing in there too. I don't know. Well, it it's, sounds it's like really this an is, interesting movie. Okay, actually. I'm definitely gonna watch this. I, I thought the interview was a lot better than it had any right to be. I really uh-huh. liked the interview. Or no, I'm sorry, not the interview. I do like the interview as well. What the long shot, the the one with uh, mm-hmm. Charlize Theron Charlize before Theron. this, and I thought that was kind of a nice I step for Rogan. I think that was very good, but yeah, I, I thought it was a nice step for him in sure. uh, kind of developing his career. So I think this is a continued step in moving away from what had defined him in the previous decade, decade and a half. So I'm, I'm yeah, all up for yeah. this. It's it's interesting, is what I will say about it, and it's thought provoking. Um, and especially in today's world, it, it's very much applies, even though uh, I don't know if it's more or less because of where we're at now, you know, um, but it's still definitely, a, um, makes fun of the modern world from, from the viewpoint of someone who would be, have been living a hundred years ago. 
and you do how recommend they would view the world now. I recommend it, yeah, especially if you're going to watch it. Uh, well, of course, you are going to watch it at home. You yeah, know, it's a perfect uh, at-home movie. Well, you said uh, aimless, and if you can get with that, you could probably enjoy this movie. I felt the but same way about you know? The yeah. King of Staten Island was the same way. I can't mm. imagine having sat through that movie at two hours and 15 minutes in a theater after having seen Funny People and Trainwreck, the other Jet Aptow movies that I thought were kind of aimless and overly long. The King of Staten Island would have pissed me off in a movie theater, but having watched <laughs> it at home, I didn't mind that it took some moments to kind of deviate. It almost reminded right. me of a you're, you're a little a more Cameron relaxed Crow as well, movie. so you can have yeah. yeah, so you can have a kind of that relaxed type movie as long as it's still engaging. Right. Um, but but maybe it can take a, a meandering turn here and there and kind of go off this way and go off that way, you know. And then that's more okay. But in the theater, I don't know. I expect something to be a little bit more more on beat, you know, so to speak. Yeah, it's, it's strange to say that at home, I don't mind giving a movie an extra 15 minutes uh, to do what it needs to do. But if I'm in a theater, can I get a 90-minute wrap-up? I mean, what, did, <laughs> did, we, did we miss out on the era? Remember when 109 minutes was like, that movie's long. It's almost yeah. two hours. Like, you know, fuck. Now, I, I always say, if it's under 140 minutes, the studio doesn't think they got their money's worth. So uh, I know American Pickle is about, what, it's about two hours? I don't think that one's a very long one. Uh, let me see. How long is this movie? It's got to be. Uh, a... It is an hour and a half. So oh, enjoy. Gorgeous. Thank you for saying that. It's perfect. It feels like it's two hours. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> no, it feels about an hour 45, but it is only an hour and a half. So, Well, what's interesting is that I think this is the first podcast we've done in a long time where the f- first three movies that we talked about, we are you're recommending all of them. So, I mean, that's that's pretty pretty amazing there well, are we recommending because, uh no, we're not recommend, no sh- <laughs> recommending that he gets out of the chair um, once in a while and does some more see. movement yeah how can we put it mm, i recommend it you should watch i can't remember what the hell is that movie called the, the, exactly beyond the law i yeah, recommend law. <laughs> that if you're going to watch it you fucking get some edibles and if you're in a state where you can't do that yeah, we do what you got to do. You know what I mean? Get, <laughs> drink some beer or some shit and watch it. Cause <laughs> it's only going to be helped by inebriation. Yeah, I don't know if I have a recommendation, but all right. <laughs> well, I think we're going to break the streak here and talk about a movie that I can't recommend, but I kind of give it a backhanded recommendation, and that's Sonic the Hedgehog. And we talked about comedians going serious. Jim Carrey has clearly gone very serious and in his personal life, reality, public life, but on his screen character, he, he's reverting back here to doing a, like a Peter Sellers impersonation. I mean, Carrie's the <laughs> only reason this movie has I any actually energy. Like that. That's that's true. Uh, and and I thought that like he's his his energy in the movie made it palatable, and it's better. My backhanded compliment is it's better than the Pokemon movie that I was sit, forced to sit through last year, that Detective Pikachu bullshit. So I, I prefer Sonic to that, but I didn't, I mean, this is, maybe just not my cup of tea, but I just couldn't get into the fucking thing. I thought Carrie was good. What's James Marsden doing in this movie? You, know, you said you watched Kangaroo Jack recently. What do you mean, what's he doing in this? Like, why is his, why is his agent putting him in this movie? Because he was in Hop. Oh, goodness. Has, That's another one. He knows how one. to do this. He knows oh. already how to do it, man. He can play to the, the CGI um, character. That's not there. Did you enjoy this better than Pikachu, the, the Pokemon movie, which I feel like is a competing franchise to this? <laughs> I mean, I guess. What would you this rather is, have watched? Not, 
um, Beyond the Law. Yeah, I would too. I've watched Beyond the Law again. I mean, before honestly, I, had to watch I I did not really. I'm not a huge fan of either one of these. This isn't that bad. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll agree with you. This is better than the Pikachu one, but I don't. Not by much. I I thought Jim Carrey was out of place and I don't know, not used well enough. Doing his own thing for sure. Yeah, I mean Marsden's Marsden. Um, I, I think he's just a grounding uh, actor in general. So I can understand why they put him. I there. just he, uh, he's just does he's just nothing. He's like a Ken doll, you know, um, so to speak. I mean, he's a good actor. Uh, I do like <laughs> him in the box and other other things. So I'm not going to be down on him. But that I think that's why he is. He is the everyman, you know, and he's not a bad everyman. So that's why he's in there. Um, and and that's it. What else do you say about this? It, it's just a, it's exactly what you think it would be. It's just absolutely nothing. Nothing happens. They just run around. Sonic has to run around. There's some action. Um, it's a lot like Pikachu in that sense, right? It's colorful. Doesn't really have a good. Point. It's short. It's not. But right. I, you know, we talked about Seagal kind of doing his thing outside of the movie that he's in, and not to the same extent. But Jim Carrey does feel like he's doing this thing within this movie. And it's not necessarily what they wanted, but it's <laughs> at least it's something that's happening that's fairly interesting. And I was like, oh, maybe it's for the parents. And I thought, no, I bet you he just said, I'm going to do, if you want me, I'm going to do it this way. And they're like, you know, kind of like a Johnny Depp thing. They're like, oh, he's so fucking brilliant. Let him do this. It and- feels, it feels, yeah, I mean, that's a good way of putting it. It feels like Jim Carrey, um, I don't want to say has like never grew up, um, but it really, watching him in this movie feels like, He's taken no notes from past performances. Yeah. You know, like he's just, this, it's just the same Jim Carrey performance as always. It's a regression, uh, which but is it was a welcome regression because I love those original Jim Carrey movies. So like you said, you know, you're waiting for that Seagal it's flash in a fight though. scene. I'm waiting for that manic Jim Carrey that yeah. has been lost for a long, long time. And I feel like the last time they tried to recreate this was Yes Man. And I thought that was so such a limp attempt to try to that get that zany more, Jim Carrey back. No, I mean that was way more, uh, you know, liar liarish. That was that was more. It was, that was way grounded than more than this. Oh, this is ridiculous. This is such um, a this is such a forgettable movie that you and I both didn't know if we had talked about this on air because we had seen it and just it, like evaporated. Sure. I still feel like we did, but maybe we maybe we've just we didn't even write down that we talked about. Well, excuse us if we talked about episode somewhere. But. Yeah, if you've heard us uh, rant about I mean, this already, but it's not. Um, it, if to watch it for Jim Carrey's performance and savor that for like maybe that it's it's a mm-hmm. reminder that he was once well, the biggest comedic actor in the world. For kids, though, this would be totally a fine palatable. movie. Yeah, yeah. So. for parents, I'd say it's better than the Pikachu, the Pikachu, whatever the fuck that <laughs> the was. The Pikachu, the Pokemon <laughs> Detective Pikachu. That I found that to be an excruciating experience. Tell me about The Invisible Man. This is the, one of the higher grossing movies of the year before the COVID shut down theaters. And uh, I think a lot of it takes place uh, here in the Bay Area, right? If I'm not mistaken, I hear Stitson Beach is, which is, you know, one of the local beaches here, is the setting for one of the... I don't know. <laughs> no? you didn't. I thought you paid attention sure. to this fucking thing. Um, where, it was, where it took place? I don't fucking know. No? You never get the On setting? A beach in a big house. San, San Dimas? Remote area. I don't know. It was just a remote area. I mean, that was all that was the important part of it. It doesn't actually show any, like, there's no, uh, I don't know, sights, you know. 
What is the lead actress's um, name in this movie? Elizabeth Moss. Yes, yes. Not the yeah. biggest fan of her, to be honest with you. I've never seen her. I don't watch The Handmaid's Tale. She's Scientology, Tale. so be well, careful with I mean, your words. Re- yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I, well, I've got some operating thetans on me. But, I, I mean, regardless hey man, of they her, got their big headquarters down here by me now, so I'm well, going to watch out. I'm not going to worry about anyone's big head. But uh, I think that I, I didn't, regardless of her religious affiliation, I didn't think that she was very good in the kitchen. I don't watch The Handmaid's Tale. I've never really seen her in something I like. And mm-hmm. if I'm being honest, and I'm not trying to be mean here, I find her rather homely and, and not mm-hmm. not pleasant to look at. And I don't find that she's this amazing actress that I've been told she is. Maybe it's because I don't mm-hmm. watch The Handmaid's Tale, but I find mm-hmm. her her look to be like an unsympathetic person. I, she doesn't. I don't have apathy for her or empathy for her in her movies. Yeah, she but, definitely looks like she doesn't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's almost like she her in acting general, is minimalistic. Yeah. Like a very um, minimalistic style where she seems unbothered by anything going on in the movie that she's in. I mean, look, in general, I agree with you. I never really thought Elizabeth Moss was all that, but a lot of people have really liked her. And I will tell you this, uh, she's really good in this movie. Okay, fair enough. Uh, unfortunately, the movie's kind of stupid. They don't use the premise well because I thought it was kind of an interesting like Me Too uh, kind of creepy raper this guy. This movie I mean, is two hours and four minutes long. Oh, and it is a horror movie. And let me tell you something about this. I tell you what, he's fucking invisible. We know it. She knows it. Get on with it. This movie sits there and plays with the idea. Well, is she just crazy or is he actually invisible? We fucking know he's invisible. The movie's called The Invisible Man. Like, that's infuriating to me. (laughs) We fucking get it. How long can he fuck with her? She's already figured it out. You know, like drives you nuts. Yeah, stop fucking with you. So I don't know. And and then by the time it, it it gets to any point of actual action, it's just your standard the guy's invisible and they have a fight sequence. I you know, so as much as you want to believe this is a good movie, um, and the acting's certainly good, uh the story is just so basic and so uh run of the mill that I got really bored. Uh, throughout the majority of it. And then by the time you get to the twists and turns at the end, uh, which is just nonsense stuff, uh, it really it has this whole science angle that it starts to feel a bit a weird reference, but it kind of starts to feel a bit lawnmower-ish man to me. Ah, uh, okay. Um, That's a great reference. I never apologize for a lawnmower man reference on our feeling, podcast. Yeah. It's more of a feeling of those weird 90s... Um, kind of VHS sci-fi movies like, like this, you know, disclosure would be another weird one where it's kind of like, uh, I gotcha. Like it's too, uh, it's too, it's too outlandish, but at the same time they're playing it down. Like it's really real. And, and like, this is like, this is just legit and this is what's happening. And, and it doesn't really like the science is there, but it really doesn't have anything to do with it because it's more about the people who are doing these bad things. I don't know. You'd have to see it. I guess to understand what I'm talking about, but I don't think I could really recommend this highly to anyone, um, even though I'm sure everyone would already recommend it highly to me. So, however, know. where I'm, I'm kind of a fan of Invisible Man movies, and where does it stack up in the order of 1992's Memoirs of Invisible Man, the John Carpenter <laughs> movie with Chevy Chase, uh-huh. and then 2000's Hollow Man? Like, where would you put it? In that so the order? difference is obviously in the main character, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, this is a viewpoint from the girl. 
Right. Uh, she's the main character. She's a survivor, um, man. We gotta. It's, we gotta it's hear a her similar story. thing with the with the guy. You know, he's still the, not a good guy. Makes bad choices. Uses the invisibility not for good things. But when it, you just turn him into a bad guy, like the evil monster, so to speak, and it's just her, uh, it loses humanity in a way. Like it's not as interesting. He's not an interesting character at all. He's actually an invisible character. I mean, literally. And uh, in the story, he's just not. They basically just say he's violent and he's mean. And that's his character. It's like, uh, okay, bad man, guy. Not very interesting, you know? <laughs> well, it's not, you know? And Hollow Man, he, at least there's a buildup to him being bad. You know, there's those those scenes and those moments where you're just like, oh my God. Creepy. Yeah. Um, Hollow Man is a very in, creepy in this, movie. It just doesn't, you know, it doesn't. There's no, not the same amount of emotions, I guess, in this. It's all, it's very Elizabeth Moss character focused, right? He's doing everything against her, so to speak. I mean, there are some, there's, there's a couple scenes in this. Um, I'd specifically say the one later on in the movie where she's having dinner with her sister, trying to convince her that, that he is actually invisible and he's fucking, he's still alive and fucking with her. That is, uh, it's fucking, it's awesome. Okay. I'll just cool. say that about it. So it's one scene. It's one moment real quick. And you're like, holy shit. Okay. This movie has a little bit of balls, you know, nice, nice going. But, uh, that just goes to shit, you know, later on. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I was not as impressed with this as I really had wanted or had hoped to be. Um, especially since it does have a, a strong opening again, you know, but it just loses itself in, in the end of the, the first act. And especially through the majority of the second act, it's just it's slow and boring. And by the time it gets into the the reveals and stuff, you're just like, fuck, give me a break. Well, that's unfortunate. But at least it made you respect Kate Moss and say she did a good job. In this. She's really good in this. Yeah, I All have right. to admit it. Like she's as far as horror movies go, when, when you're really looking for uh, people to be in the moment, she's definitely there. I'll give it a shot. I mean, I'm going to watch this movie. You just had a chance to catch it before I did. And this is one of two Bloomhouse movies that we'll be talking about on today's show. But I want to switch gears and take it back a few years and talk about two movies from the early 90s that I got a chance to catch up on on Amazon Prime that are streaming currently. One is Stay Tuned, the Peter Himes <laughs> movie that stars John Ritter. And this caught some tension recently because, or just this week, in fact, because they're going to turn this into a television show. Is this going to be on Amazon Prime, do you know? Is this a prime oh, show? Is that I, this going to be a streaming one? I thought this was a streaming show hmm. of some sort, but it's a great premise for a show. Of basically, the devil runs a, a, a cable network, and this couch potato gets sucked into the TV along with his wife, and they have to. Well, they have to do it through streaming this time. It wouldn't be through because it goes through a big. Uh... A satellite dish in the movie, right? Yeah, they have a big satellite dish in the backyard, and the devil is kind of like the dish salesman. So if they did that today, it would have to go through the internet, right? You have to go through the streaming. Absolutely. This could be a, a, used very well in mind for a lot of satirical references. I watched this recently, and it's a lot different than I remembered. Have, have you seen this? Hmm. Rec- did you saw it when you were a kid, I imagine, right? Yeah, I saw, I, I saw it not too long ago, uh, maybe watched- 10 years ago. This and I watched Mom and Dad Save the World I love in the Mom same Dad week. Save the world. So do I. And it's set in Ohio, up by you. Yeah. And um, it's the old Ohio Freeway. There you go. And that movie is so fun and colorful. 
and just goofy, but just an enjoyable little romp. And that's uh, currently on HBO Max. And Stay mm-hmm. Tuned is on Prime. And I'm watching the two of them. They came out in the same summer. And Stay Tuned, I mean, we talked to Peter Himes. I, I respect the guy's work in a lot of ways. But it has that Peter Himes look in a way where I don't think he was the right director for this material. I think that if somebody else had done this with, say, a lighter touch, even somebody like... Fuck Joe Dante or, or you know one of those kind of guys from from the period. Mm-hmm. I think that the Joel Schumacher. This could have been done in a, in a fashion that was a little bit more lighthearted and fun. There's not a lot of fun in this movie. It gets it runs out of steam very quickly. I thought in hindsight, and I, I really remember liking it. I kind of thought, why did I like this so much as a kid? Whereas Mom and Dad Saved the World ended up really liking more. But the little gem hmm. I want to talk to you about the movie that I found on Amazon Prime that. I fucking couldn't believe they actually had it cleaned up in <laughs> HD, is this Patrick Dempsey movie from 1991. And I'm sure there's two Patrick Dempsey fans who are listening who are like, Loverboy? Mobsters? No, neither of those. <laughs> We're talking about Run. Have you ever, you ever seen Run? I don't uh, think I saw this ever. Do you ever recall this but movie does, in the video store on the shelf or any of that kind of stuff? Yeah. It's familiar, but I don't know. I mean, this, this is from 1991, man. I saw this in a dome theater in Oakland, California that's not even fucking in existence anymore that was on a double feature with double impact. That's how I remember <laughs> seeing this movie. This movie was fucking awesome when I was a kid. And I mean, in all the wrong ways. You know, it's Patrick Dempsey's shot at being an action hero. And like around 1991, they were really pushing for Dempsey and Richard Greco and, and those mm-hmm. guys to like kind of make the jump into action hero movies. And the only guy from that era that didn't do it and that ended up having the long career was Johnny Depp. If you really think about it, because on TV on 21 Jump Street, that was kind of an action show, but he never really did an action movie, if I'm not mistaken, right? Has Johnny Depp ever done an action movie? Um, you, ever, you ever seen him fire a gun? I'm trying movie? to think, but it seems like they must have. I don't know if I've ever seen Johnny Depp fire a gun in a movie. Uh, I'll look this up real quick. I'll let you know. That's I, a weird uh, trivial feels fact like there. like he has to have been something, right? Let's see. I don't think the so man's ever been in action. Movie. He's actually been in. I mean, Platoon. I'm not going to count. Nah, that's that's. Yeah, let's see. That doesn't really count. Um, Nick of Time. I think that there he held a gun, and there was some yeah, sort of like action. It's, element, it's not really that's an action type. But I mean, most of those types of movies, yeah, they did were more suspense. Yeah. Um, and Dead Man. I don't. I'm not going to count. Like the ninth gate, obviously not gonna. That doesn't count. Sleepy Hollow may be the only one, but it's the time period wise. There's not really. He, he doesn't have a gun. A gun and, thing, but that is that is. An action e more action e type thing. Yeah, that's a strange little. I, I know he played a detective Blow, recently uh, from Hell. Oh, Once Upon a uh, Time in Mexico. There you go. There you go. That you is found action. It. You like I said, the that two really fucking the Johnny Depp fans one. out there are screaming. Yeah. Oh, Public Enemies. Fucking A, of course. Uh, yeah, that, that assholes. counts. Well, that how do counts. we call ourselves movie mavericks? <laughs> that definitely fucking uh, counts. And it the hurts. Lone Ranger. Yeah, I don't think he actually yeah. fires a gun in that movie. But well, it I'm is an action movie. Uh, oh, you're not, that doesn't count? 
I actually yeah. like the Lone Ranger. I think that the movie's... Caribbean. I think those highly... are action movies too. The, the Lone Ranger is as good as it's better than any of those Pirates of the Caribbean That's sequels. That's it. So yeah, that. so he's definitely been in some action stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, but, yeah, not, not, not in his early hole. career. I, I mean, you are right about that. That was somewhere... much later. Somewhere Patrick Dempsey is going, once again, Johnny Depp steals my spotlight. They were talking about my fucking movie. (laughs) Uh, But if you haven't got a chance and you want to kill 87 minutes of your life with some uh, great 90s cheese, please watch Run, the Patrick Dempsey action thriller that is set around uh, a mobster son who is accidentally killed and... Patrick Dempsey is this young college kid who's blamed for it. It's kind of a tradition of the movies like Gotcha, when they were pushing Anthony mm-hmm. Edwards as an action guy, and um, Out of Bounds with Michael Anthony Hall, and these really shitty fucking late 80s, early 90s. Remember No Man's Land with Charlie Sheen, D.B. Sweeney, or The Wrath? Yeah. You remember these movies? I mean, these are yeah. some, I'm dropping some gems on you over here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting the difference between that... Uh, the time period then when uh, the innocent people more or less are getting stuck uh, uh, the reluctant hero blamed something yeah and and where nowadays you would find it being uh, you know someone's son fucked up and is actually an asshole and that person has to come and like help them right that would be run made nowadays and Steven Seagal would show up in a chair right I I mean Liam Neeson right oh for sure Liam Neeson Um, who else? I mean, the last one I can really think that was that would have been like this would have been that Paul Walker movie. Um, it came out like late two thousand. What was that movie called? Um, well, I don't. I mean, what Paul Walker movie? That was not recent. Uh, are you talking about Vehicle Nineteen <laughs> or some Vehicle Thirteen? No, no. no. Um, oh, what is that called? It's it's a word like run. You'd know it. You'd know it when I'm, I'm gonna tell you. Not it and Brick gonna, Mansions. No, fuck that. It's a good movie. Good movie. Good movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. You love it. Uh, running running, running scared. scared. There you go. Yep, yep, yep. Great movie. That's but a, that is I very similar to, to this type of idea. That's a great mm-hmm. movie. You thought I was going to say timeline. Don't lie. I thought you were going to say a lot of things. I didn't know what was going to come out of your mouth. <laughs> All right, let's move on and talk about The Debt Collector. This is the first in a series of movies. There's Debt Collectors. And this first one stars martial arts actor Scott Adkins, who's really... Uh, a classically trained actor who happens to be a hell of a, a martial artist as well. And he is just in every other fucking movie coming out right now. The guy is working his ass off some better than others. I happen to kind of really like this movie directed by Jesse V. Johnson, his freaking collaborator. It's not Atkins mm-hmm. best work. I think accident man, which is currently streaming on Tubi is a, uh, is pretty good. And avengement which was also on Netflix. Too many commercials. Um, Avengement, if you haven't seen it, is fucking awesome. It's Atkins' closest thing to a Guy Ritchie movie, but it is violent. is is all hell. Um, but Debt Collectors, available on Netflix now, this first one, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought that it, it was rather pointless for a while, but I didn't mind spending time with the two lead actors, Costas Mandalore, I'm sorry, Louis Mandalore and uh, and Scott Atkins were a good. It's about mm-hmm. to me. This was about as, as close as you're going to get to a buddy cop movie nowadays. I think they're never going to make those anymore. So at least you have like a, a odd couple pairing, and I thought they did that pretty well here. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I, I thought this was boring. I gotta really? be honest with you. Um, you didn't think the action was good? The action is just exists. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I, there's, there's a lot of action in this, um, but it's just punch, punch, kick, fight, you know, uh, whatever. It's not, it's not important. No one ever gets really hurt. Um, nothing ever really happens. Right. There's no, there's not any, there's no story to this at all. Uh, for the first, you know, three quarters of the movie, it's not until the very end that they decide that there's a point to it. <laughs> and then, but it, uh, too little, too late. I think for me, I, I was just bored with this. And in all honesty, Scott Atkins, this is not his best performance. No, it's not. You know? it's not. Um, that being said, I do really like him with uh, Louis Mandalore here. Um, I agree with you. They made a good uh, couple. On screen couple, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean <laughs> that's the only way I can got... say it. You know, it's weird to say that, but that, uh, that's kind of, they played well off each other and they kind of bickered like a married couple. Well, they're a matched um, pair and it works very yeah. well that they have that kind of odd so couple. So I wished, and I'm willing to watch the second one, uh, uh, but obviously he's not going to be in it, would be my guess. No, they're both in it. Oh, really? Well, how that? Yeah. Yeah. How's that work? I have no idea. Okay, well, now I really want to watch the second one. Um, but, uh, okay, cool, yeah. So I'd watch the second one because I really did like these guys together. But I just thought the movie in general was not good. It was a waste I'll of time and you. it needed to be much better. It is a day in the life of for quite a while and it does get episodic there for a second until the, the end. Of it. But I liked seeing Michael Pere get on screen. I like <laughs> Adkins. I like, the, like I said, their chemistry here. And I did think that the, the action was at least well choreographed. I mean, that beginning scene with the martial arts school was kind of These a nice guys can fight. spin on its I head. Mean, and all the, it's clear that they have a lot of stunt guys in this movie and it's real It's it's real fighting. You know, It's real old... I, it's not special it's not you know, born. CGI yeah. special effects, you know, uh, stuff like that. It's just people throwing punches, blocking, throwing, you know, getting real bloodied up, and all that kind of stuff. So, in that sense, yeah, it's good. But it just, I don't know. Without a point, if we're just showing up at people's houses randomly, getting our heads knocked together, and it's not even necessarily that great of fighting. I mean, especially because the direction is just not that good. I don't think the direction captured. Uh, what these guys were were really doing. I'll say this. You know what's odd about that is I really like Jesse V. Johnson's work. I thought Accident Man is, is very fun, and he's done a lot of good movies. Uh, Last Sentinel, I know you're mm-hmm. a big fan of. Uh, and he does like he's a former stuntman turned director. And I thought that Beyond the Law was actually directed better than The Debt Collector. I thought there was better camera movement. I mean, the, the fight scenes in Debt Collector are, are staged better and, and captured better. But as like camera movement and using... Um, you know, things that tell the story outside of static, put the camera here, cut here. I thought it was very basic in a lot of ways until the fighting, and then it kind of came alive. So I don't know if that was a second unit or what was going on there or if all the energy was put into the fighting. But the fact that you said you'd be intrigued in to watch a sequel, and I'm intrigued to watch the sequel, means that I think that they, they built this little world, and maybe that this, this next one is where they're going to prosper with, inside of it, you know, as, creatively. Maybe. I don't yeah, know. What's so the, I'd what's be up the for the second one. Second one about? I don't know. I just know it's called Debt Collectors, and they're both in it. Yeah. I don't think I'm wrong about that. Let me look at that. It just sounds know. like the other movie. <laughs> yeah, right? They it are sounds, both in it, though, right? 
Uh, yeah, they're both listed yeah, in it, uh, but it just literally sounds like the other movie. Maybe the debt just... collectors are thrust into an explosively dangerous situation, <laughs> chasing down various lowlifes while also ev- evading a vengeful kingpin. Is that not the first one? Of course. Hey, if it works once. <laughs> but in time, I don't right, think well, it worked, for, but okay. If at first you don't succeed, we'll, we'll give then. It a I got sh- all, I'll give it another shot. I got cliches for you all fucking night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on and talk about Fantasy Island, the second feature of the Bloomhouse Productions on tonight's show. This is Jeff Wadlow's movie, uh, came and went from the theaters very quick. The only interest to me of this movie was that I have no love for that show whatsoever. I really... Yeah, I don't think yeah. anybody really does. Um, <laughs> Unless you're from that time period, in a sense, when you're watching TV. Um, I think Michael yeah. Pena is a national treasure, and I think that he <laughs> is good in almost everything I've ever seen him in. Uh-huh. Is he is he worthwhile of seeing? I mean, should I watch the movie for him? Does he do anything in this movie, or is he wasted? That's what I want to know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's there. It's really yeah. not his movie. It kind of is, I guess, at the end, but not really. I don't know. This is a movie that uh, survives on twists. Um, and so you don't, whilst you think you know what's going on all the time, um, and you're kind of seeing fake twists that the characters go through, there are many twists that are real twists that you don't know about They kind of play out. And after a while, it's like, okay, this is a, this is a ridiculous movie. Yeah. Um, and it really is a ridiculous movie. So if you like... Um, Horror movies that aren't really scary, but have a lot of gore in them and have that that kind of horror feel to them, but that are safe, uh, this would be your type of movie. And it's not, I will say it's not bad, but it's really not good. So it sounds like it's neutered. It's pretty. It's very neutered. And it's just very much an idea that... Uh, that someone you know came up with while they were taking a shit i don't you know it's like it's something that just doesn't it, it's a fantasy island you go there and it does your fantasies but the fantasies turn bad and people kill you oh, okay. okay this Got so it. i you know what i thought it was going to be like i thought maybe they were trying to make it like lost almost and they had like this mystical things going on no, and it's well it does natural element okay oh it does yeah. but um by the time we get to that it's we're it's just it's ridiculous as much as Lost was. I mean, think about how Lost progressed. And by the time you got to the end of Lost, you're like, okay, this is, oh, this, this got is ridiculous, really awesome right? Weeds. This is yeah. totally ridiculous. Well, that's what yeah, this they... movie does, you know? Um, but it was fine. I, I actually thought it was fun um, for what it is. So uh, I you won't not recommend, recommend it, it but yeah. I it would have to be recommended to the right person because I think a lot of people would, would watch this and think it's too stupid. Well, you know what's you know? interesting is that you said this is like a safe horror film with that PG-13 because level. Because it's not scary, yeah. But you're giving it a pass on that level, but really this can be done well. We, we both uh, recommended Countdown earlier this year, which is a right. very safe horror film, and but that was done in a clever manner. They actually thought things through fairly, fairly well and didn't kind of rest on their laurels. So is this... Is there invention and creativity in this movie, or is it just? Uh, well, there's a, a lot of storylines going on that are that are. Is it too much story in a way? Is it too busy? Well, yes, because that's those are the twists, right? Uh, okay. Those are the twists. Is the storyline un- unfolding and who is who, and uh, why are they actually on the island? You know what's going on. 
you know, then they find that the island has magical powers. Um, and then they find, you know, the magical center of the eye. It's, it's all a bunch of shit. I mean, it's a whole thing. Do so, you know what's funny? I, as I ask you about Michael Pena and I'm looking at this, this poster and whatnot and some images from this movie, and I'm thinking about that classic line that you told me you saw what Treat Williams said about the making of some, what fucking movie was it? It was behind the scenes and he basically said like, <laughs> I, 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 I took this job because I wanted to come to this beautiful Island. You know, it's like, I wonder if Michael Pena was like, fuck this movie, the script sucks, but they're paying for me that? to go to Fiji to shoot this. I forget what piece of shit movie he was in. And I don't it was remember like what behind movie that was, the but scenes. it was literally, yeah, it was literally behind the scenes of that. Uh, I kind of, I don't have to remember what movie that was. Cause I I just still remember seeing that and being blown away that he was just like, just like, ah, eh, fuck it. You know, like I don't give a shit about this movie. Basically like this movie's dog shit. I just came here because I want to go on fucking vacation. <laughs> it was like a free vacation <laughs> like, to right. somewhere. <laughs> At least he's uh, honest about it. You know? Well, I remember, you know, I mean, this is like the, if you're doing a drinking game for how many times I mentioned that Trevor and I were in film school together, you can probably be shit-faced by now, but when you and I were in film school, do you remember when we asked, or somebody asked an instructor that had been a long-time film business person, what makes people choose scripts? And she said, just like real estate, location, location, location. Like, actors really will try to, like, go four corners of the world and, oh, it's set in these exotic locations and I can have my whole family moved out there. They do do it. It's unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. Well, and especially in the day of Instagram. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You were definitely right there. You got a special DVD release of True Lies off of a site that isn't, I mean, is this, is it, not a, is it a legal site? Would that be considered a legal site you bought this off uh, of? Yeah, it's I mean, a, I guess. It's in the gray area, right? Yeah. StinkyTuna.com. StinkyTuna. They claim to be legit. I, I don't. Everything looks legit on there. They've not been um, cut well, off, I guess, at this assist, point. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I think it's legit. I don't know. I got True Lies, the uh, 1080p Blu-ray, full HD, uh, which is something because that uh, the DVD isn't is letterboxed full screen. <laughs> right. It's the worst kind of fucking DVD you could possibly make. Um, and I do find this interesting because this does say Fox on demand on it and it is, it is burnt like a lot of the stinky tuna stuff. Um, but Fox did have, uh, an on demand service for a while and I've not been able to find any information if this was actually on it or if this is an actual release from that. But I do find that interesting. Mm-hmm. You said, is there any special features on the disc? Mm, no, I think there's a, uh, um, like a little documentary type thing. I think that was, but that's about it. The menus on this are horrendous. Like I'm, Ooh. it's just weird as shit. Like I'm, you, you'll, you'll not know where you go. Like you have to hit play like three times just to get the movie to play. It goes through like a bunch of different menus. I don't, it is weird as shit, but I will say that, uh, the movie looks beautiful. It, those blue so, lights, the, that oh, harsh, cold yeah, lighting, any, any lighting from the nineties. Um, uh, yeah, movies movies from the '90s look and uh, the '80s look absolutely amazing on Blu-ray, and and that's definitely one of them. They're so cleaned up that, um, especially Cameron's movies. Well, they're so movie, high contrast too. Like the the lighting in them is very, uh, you know, the color, especially when you get the color gels uh, in there, uh, they really shine. You know, they don't have the nuance or the the capability of the nuance, I guess, that they do nowadays. 
uh, back then. And they, they really go for that, that hard edged style. It, it translates so well. I was watching the original Mission Impossible recently, and there's a lot of lighting in there that I thought, like, that's, I don't want to say sloppy, but, like, they just threw lighting places, and you think, like, that's, mm-hmm. it's not as modulated, I feel like, as today's digital cinematography and things like yeah. that, where they can color temperatures all over the room. So I, I think that uh, sometimes it's even more beautiful because it's, it's a bit messy. You know, it almost looks more realistic. It doesn't look so fake, but Cameron's world is so beautifully shot in those movies. And in, in True Lies especially, there's like sections of it that are very cold and then kind of warm and then it gets cold again in the interrogation scenes mm-hmm. and then that beautiful fucking ending. I mean, the ending of True Lies is, the Schwarzenegger movies always have great endings, I felt like, in Predator particularly, but the ending of True Lies is so fucking awesome. <laughs> it just is a great movie. But I would love to have official release still because I want a Schwarzenegger Cameron audio track. I want to know yeah. why they abandoned, you know, exactly what, what the script was for part two that they were going to work on. Before I don't think you'll get every camera to do that. You don't think so? They'll ever talk about that movie? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you can get him to sit down and do a commentary anymore. You're right. He's fucking probably at the bottom of the Marina Trench I right don't now. think you'll get commentaries on the Avatar movies, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, if, if we well, this get the rate, Avatar I movies. mean, what, what's the, the word is Disney's trying to kill 4K at this point? Why? I, what's the deal um, with that? Because the streaming is the future, man. I mean, yeah, we're all fucked as far as a. You know why streaming is not the future? Let me tell you something here. Speaking of this Mission Impossible, well, they just stopped I selling watched. stuff, so it's the only future. <laughs> Fuck that, because I'll tell you this: my Blu-rays that I've been pulling out have all mm-hmm. the special features, have the commentaries. Yeah. There was a time when there was film school on a disc. And it was called a Criterion Collection DVD or a special feature or a Two Blu-ray. Disc set. And yes, and you could just engulf yourself in this world and learn all of this shit. It started getting absolutely out of control when Lord of the Rings came out with like a nine-disc set for each movie, and like there was like you couldn't possibly spend thirty-seven <laughs> hours of your life in, yeah, in the special yeah. features and menus, but. It was still, if you wanted to do the deep dive, you could. Now we've gone so the other way and things are so disposable that you you would never rewatch any. Nothing has rewatchability. And if you did, you fucking forget about it because there's 70 other things that are being thrown at you every fucking day. And so it's just, it's, it's I, I don't know. I feel like when there was less, there was more to savor. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, when they had less releases... Um, they made a bigger deal about them. I mean, that's, that's true. true. And if you go back, I, there are so many buried movies. Um, and I'll be honest with you, the majority of the buried movies are either extremely old. You know, we're talking uh, 60 plus years old, right? 50, 60 plus years old. Or they are only about 10 years old. Because there's a, there's a nice sloth of movies there from, from like uh, late 70s to, to say mid to late 2000s that everyone knows about but look at the past 10 years plenty of forgotten been, shit so much of it you know because there's been Be- so many movies and they've not been very good as well i mean and there are plenty that people remember and plenty that everyone owns including me and everything i'm not saying every single movie is bad but uh i don't know i think with the amount of movies that they're releasing now you would expect there to be more movies that you uh, would cherish right there well, has many, to be more better movies but there's not 
out of all these Netflix originals, let's just, I mean, not to pick on Netflix, those but like, let's just zero in on those. All Out of the Netflix originals, which one of those would you say is memorable? Because I can pick one that I would rewatch. Um, one. And that would be Spencer Confidential. And I'm trying to think of something else. I mean, I agree with you. I know this, their shows are terrible. I looked through the Netflix original stuff the other day and I just thought, God, if they, if everyone pulled content from Netflix and it was just the Netflix stuff was the only thing on there. Oh my God. Like I would well, not were, own this. Well, I, I, I will say clearly that HBO max has the best film library right now. They have the least amount of filler. Service. And yeah. that's what I'll say about them. So there's, there's real, you can go down that list of movies and while it is more condensed than the never ending list you'll find on prime and Netflix, um, it's real movies. It's, it's like going through an actual, uh, it's a video catalog. store yeah. in a way, you know, you see actual shit that, that wound up on the shelf because it might sell and not just because it was put there because, uh, you needed to have a number of like, there's a thousand movies available here, you know? Yeah. Not just to fill up slots. It's it actually I feel like it's curated a little bit better, if I will. Sure. It was uh, like those free services, right? Like you mentioned Tubi, um, and there's Crackle. Um, Crackle's a little bit better than a lot of other stuff, but there's Popcorn TV. There's, there's a lot of them. And you'll get all the same movies released on those, right? It's, it's They'll strange. all have the same fucking Across movies. the same platform, yeah. But lately, what do you find? Well, you find that fucking Amazon, they're all on Prime, too. They're all over the. Like, That's Prime bizarre. is just the the sponge that sucks up every piece of shit fucking streaming movie that ever existed. <laughs> it is, man. I, you can go through some prime. You can go through prime. I know. Like, Holy shit. What is this? You know, where do you think I watched that Patrick Dempsey fucking action movie run at available on prime? <laughs> Stay tuned. Available on. Prime. Yeah. I mean, wow. It's uh, I, I, prime is unreal, but, um, I mean, that's reason enough, I guess, to keep prime. Um, but I really look at things like Netflix and think, wow. Um, Maybe, uh, maybe age-wise, younger people are watching Netflix. I don't know. People seem to watch Netflix. They seem to watch this stuff and talk about it, and I don't get it. Well, there's a lot of shows. I mean, I've been told Dead to Me is a show to watch. And it's canceled. Like that, so. Already? Yeah. What do you mean it got canceled? There's no season two? There's a season two. That's the last season. Oh. They said they're not. They, they said that I, I'm fairly certain that 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 Dead to Me got canceled. That's the. Well, good. Um, I don't have to get into it now. <laughs> or I'm gonna get into it because I usually wait till shows are off the air before I get into it. Like I'm right. telling, have you seen 24? It's like yeah, two fucking decades ago. <sighs> uh, although you know what I've been wanting to rewatch is Buffy, and yeah. I, I haven't. I don't know where it's streaming at. I'm sure it's somewhere available. It was on like Facebook Watch last I saw. But the uh, show I never got into it was. That, that you tried to get me into <clears throat> and I watched the pilot and I, I respected it, but I just never, maybe I watched a few more episodes in the pilot and I think about it was Alias. How Alias? And I know everybody raved about that and I thought, well, it's been long enough now. It's been about 15, 16 years. I think I can get into it. <laughs> I mean, it's very, it's, it's a spy version of Lost, you know? Yeah, fine. Sounds good to me. I'm into so it starts off pretty normal and then it gets weird as shit. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. So we jump. But it's good, really. No, it doesn't. It's interesting. I don't know. There's, there's a. It does things uh, that you wouldn't expect. I guess. I don't know. It, it is just a TV show, though. So <laughs> it's not the most amazing thing. I'm trying to try not to oversell it to you, but it does do things that uh, normal TV shows wouldn't do, right? 
We gotta give it credit for that. Then it's got some balls to it. Is what you're saying? Yeah. So it's like lost. You know, it's it's weird. It's different. It makes choices. Um, it, it takes a chance. I'll say that about it. That's all you could ask for in a fucking know. show of the '90s. You should watch. Uh, I mean, if, if you're gonna watch uh, Buffy, uh, you may as well forego that and just watch Angel. I was. I knew you were gonna try to push that shit on me. <laughs> I will not watch Angel. It's got I don't your mind girl it. in it. Stop it. Why are you fighting? Who's it? my girl? You gotta say her name. Cordelia. No, her real name. No, that is her real name. She'll always be known as Cordelia to you and I, but for everyone else, she's known as Charisma Carpenter. Yeah. The only reason you know that is because uh, you have the Playboy. No, I, that's because she was in The Expendables. Was it, was she, such a, it, it was such a matchup. Right. Just alone and her in the same movie, even though they didn't show the screen together. It was, it was too much. It was too many sensations at once. Well, Statham's the one hitting it, so. How dare he? The- <laughs> how dare you, sir, um, and how dare he? <laughs> It's got, it's got your girl in it, all right? That's what I'm saying. My goodness. <laughs> Very frustrating. Very frustrating. Uh, tell me about The Last Full Measure. This was the drama starring Sebastian Stan of Avengers fame. Uh, I love saying that. Like he's the, <laughs> it's like saying Jeremy, Jeremy <laughs> Renner of Avengers only, fame. It's the only person you're going to know him, right? It's the only way right. you're going to know him. Yeah, this is the guy who plays the Winter Soldier in uh, uh, Bucky. Bucky. Yeah. in the Avengers movie fucking Bucky and this is his shot at kind of like what his Lincoln lawyer moment this is a legal drama based on a true story I believe as well possibly um, a true story yeah it is a true story it's uh, about, and uh... <laughs> is this one of those like independently made movies yes this reminded me of, like this a faith based movie yes yeah and yes yeah, okay. yes yes okay. Um, even though it's it's not a faith based movie, but yes, that is the feel that you get when you watch this. Um, it's cheap, but it's not it's not that cheap. You know, people time and effort was put into this. Yes, uh, but it does come off as that faith based uh, kind of cheapness to it a little bit. Like it's a little too uh, everything's a little too clean. You know, like they didn't have that much time to make it look uh, real, so it's super clean. But it's basically about a guy who uh, he's like a medic guy and he goes in uh, some uh where is this vietnam i don't even know the war this is anymore <laughs> i believe it's a vietnam war sure it's yeah. vietnam but he goes in and he saves a bunch of people right and he doesn't uh he doesn't give up right he goes in and he stays and he gets people out uh, eventually he gets killed and so they want to give him uh medal of honor the uh, medal of honor yeah uh and uh but there's a whole cover-up thing to it because uh, their you know mistakes were made, blah blah whatever, and that's the movie. Um, it, it, yeah, <laughs> it I, mean, I don't know like what to tell you about it. Uh, very Sebastian Stan is surprisingly fairly decent in it, um, but yeah, it's not. There's not a lot to deal with. You know, it's it's one of those movies where you just think, yeah, that makes sense. I he deserves the Medal of Honor. Give it to him. These guys are kind of assholes, but it's like at the same time, it's like, well, you didn't. You know, you fought really hard to cover it up, so to speak, but it really didn't seem to make much of a difference in the end. Um, and these guys didn't really necessarily fight too hard to give it to like uncover all this stuff. He just kind of was like there. And uh, and then at the end, he gives this whole huge speech, and then you want to throw up because everyone claps. Oh, it's his uh, on uh, deadly ground oh, moment. Yeah, it just oh, it's, it's it. a bit much. But I will say, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll end it with this. Todd Robinson directed this, and the last movie Todd Robinson directed was uh, 2013 uh, thriller 
true uh, history thriller, uh, submarine movie, Phantom. Oh, with uh, David Duchovny? <laughs> you go, oh. <laughs> I actually didn't mind yes. that movie. Did you not like David Harris? You should watch it again. Is it bad? Dude, it was bad when it came out. That's why no one went and saw it. I thought it was better than that movie with Tommy Lee Jones, that Empire movie. Did you ever see that one? I don't know. You have, where he's a submarine commander or a naval no. warship commander, rather? I don't know. Dog shit. Well, so is Phantom. But if you enjoyed really? Phantom, um, then, you, then I might enjoy I guess you might enjoy this. I don't know. It, it's, it has about as much shit going on for it um, as that, you know. I just want to know, it's did fine. Kirk Cameron pass this role up and they offered it to Yeah, the, really, I, he could have been Kirk Cameron in this. I mean, no joke. It's very much, he's a very, uh, like, you know, kind of the upstanding guy who's kind of trying to trod through life and he's got kind of like a hard go of it, but he's going to, you know, he's going to figure this out. Yeah, it's uh, the trailer. I saw this trailer in the theaters uh, mm-hmm. for a movie, and I thought like this. It it bordered on looking like it wasn't really on the level of a theatrical nationwide release. And I thought like, oh, how is this making it to the theaters right now, especially in this time and age when everything is, seems to go into streaming? And it was like, oh, because it has some sort of like I thought like maybe a faith based backing to it or like mm-hmm. some sort of angle that they were trying to get a, a select audience or a demographic in there to justify a theatrical release, uh, which they originally were doing on those Kirk Cameron movies. And then those actually turned into like viable box office hits. And those are like a subgenre of their own. But the, the first few of those were real rough going. I, I can't yeah. remember the name. What was the like two decades ago? There was the Omega Code. Do you remember that one? Yes. <laughs> that was like the beginning kind of with Casper Van Dien and, and all well, that. Like that's that a was whole series, isn't the Omega stuff thing? Yeah. Wasn't the, am I wrong? Is that a series? I think that I think you, I think there was a couple of them. Yeah. Yeah. But that was kind of like the I first going cheap on this level, you know. But mm-hmm. but finding that it had like a, a, a targeted audience that was willing to show up and, and spend money on it, so they could well, make more of them. There's certainly angles to these movies. Um, you know. Y- y- I guess the the closest comparison I would make to this would be Hacksaw Ridge and it's no contest. Like what is the better angle to take when you look at a movie like this? No, Hacksaw Ridge you is know? fucking awesome. Yeah. I, but in part because it's not about some guy who's like pushing papers, you know, <laughs> like yeah, that's not the lead character, right? It's actually about what happened. Um, and so this movie is all flashbacks here and there. Um, and not, not enough as far as I'm concerned. It really well, because of budgetary issues, I'm sure. More than likely, but it also kind of just makes you think like, well, okay, he just, I, I don't know, like not a lot happened, it feels like. It doesn't feel, um, and I'm, and you know, it's enough. It, it, I guess if it's too true to life, I'd like to see something a little bit more grandiose. But maybe that's wrong, but I mean, that's Hacksaw Ridge, so. <laughs> so you're not recommending this one? I wouldn't. I, I think it's too boring. You know, it's too safe. If you really want to watch a really safe uh, war movie, then I guess, yeah. Just to go along with your really safe horror movie in Fantasy Island. No, they're completely different. I mean, as we've already said, faith-based, and that's exactly the kind of uh, mentality and and, uh, uh, road that this is on, so to speak. Is it safe for the whole family? Is this a rated R movie? I don't think it's it's, uh, PG-13. I don't even know if this is rated, but there's not much. There's war in it and stuff, so if you don't like that, um, there are, I mean... People, people have to play dead in this, yeah. you know, so it's, it's actually, it's a real like, shit actually happens in this, but it's, it's quick is what I'll say about it. 
All right, well, we've talked about a lot of movies on tonight's show, and most of them have been positive, uh, surprisingly, which uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hyped on. But I'm really hyped that you are going to give Debt Collectors 2 a shot. I mean, I can't wait to text you. Hey, this is on Netflix. Watch this. Everything we've talked about on tonight's show, outside of True Lies, Trevor's Blu-ray, which is available from StinkyTuna.com, can be <laughs> found on streaming services, uh, various streaming services. Check it out. I, we use Just Watch to figure out where things are located. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you guys use out there, but you could find all the shit we're talking about. Uh, 20, 20 years ago, we used to hang out at the gas station down here, and there was yeah. this crazy lady who was fucking hysterical. But she would come in and just talk shit about her husband, talk shit about this and that and everything, and she'd be like, no one wants to fuck me ever. No one wants, because they, they call me Stinky Tuna. <laughs> we were like, what the fuck? <laughs> she she cracked you up, and she'd be like, she talks. She's like, yeah, you see me going down the road, you'll know it's me because the license plate will say S Tuna. <laughs> <laughs> she really leaned into that, every didn't she? <laughs> <laughs> she was hysterical. Every time Stinky Tuna, I just think of her. Well, it's funny because you sent me the link, and I, I I was like, what the fuck link is this? Did you mean to, is this like a phishing thing? Did you mean to send right. this? And then, like, somebody infiltrated my phone, and then I was like, oh, a True Lies Blu-ray. But um, there hopefully will be officially a Blu-ray release sometime, so you can get that. But if you can't, go to Stinky Tuna and get that. Also, go to MovieMavericks.com. Check out our old podcasts on there, or our past podcast, I should say, and reviews for a lot of the things we've talked about. Also, check out the YouTube page, Movie Mavericks, over there. We also have episodes of Black Bart, Police Academy, Time Cop, and a whole bunch of rare TV (laughs) shows that we'll be talking about. Bill and Ted. If you didn't know there was a Bill and Ted television show, you will know because on our next podcast, we are going to talk about Time Cop, the TV show, and the complete series of Bill and Ted, although we don't have to watch seven episodes. Yeah, did you watch you all that? <laughs> Fuck, I tried to, this but we'll like talk about this. It's like an hour and 20 minutes, isn't it? Oh, God. Uh, it, it's, it's like Saved by the Bell meets Bill and Ted's. I can't well, wait for you to watch it. Oh, I, I did watch it. I watched it today. Oh, he's already there. We're going to talk about it soon. We can't wait for you guys to join us while we talk about all this stuff. It's great getting back on the air. We'll be doing this often and talking to you guys soon. Speaking for Trevor Anderson, I am Jason Rugard, and we are the Movie Mavericks. Oh my, another magnificent episode has come to an end. If you're craving more, set your destination to moviemavericks.com, warp 9. Engage!